0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. We are back in action. I'm back in town. We, we, We have the bandwidth to pull off the show again. So welcome back to the NBA Front Office show. We've got plenty to talk about around the NBA. I'm Trevor Lane joined by Keith Smith. Ah, uh, Keith, it, fe- it feels good to be back, my friend.
2: Yeah, me too. Um, uh, as much as I've enjoyed a little bit of downtime, I'm I'm ready for games again. I yes. I've been I've been watching a lot of college basketball. I've been enjoying it, but It's it's not the NBA as as I am uh, a self-admitted, I'm an NBA snob. So like I I want NBA basketball again. So I'm excited. We only got one more day uh to go without it. So I'm uh yeah, but man, it was uh it's it's been good to have a couple couple days off, but I'm ready to get back into the routine of games and all that stuff.
1: For sure. Absolutely. I'm ready to get back to it. Wait, but didn't we have a game on on Sunday? Was it, was it, uh, does that, yeah, does that count? We, I mean, guess we're using yeah, the term very loosely. Something. Game. Um, yeah. let's. We haven't talked about this yet. I know I didn't even put it in our show doc here. Let's just. Let's start there, though. Like, let just real quick. It, it's days ago, so people have talked through it to death, and we're not going to spend a ton of time on it. But the All Star Game mess. What What is the do? You, do we just throw our hands up at this point and just say it is what it is, or does the NBA need to make some real effort to fix this thing?
2: Yeah, I'm somewhere between it is what it is and just embrace that the the all-star game is one, quite frankly, minor part of all-star weekend. Uh, which is like a whole big thing now. It's it's grown from being the game on Sunday to stuff on Saturday to stuff on Friday. I thought Nate Jones, and th- for those who don't know, Nate's like on the business side of things with mm-hmm. NBA players. He's a great follow on Twitter because he will check in with a lot of insights about stuff. He's uh, particularly linked in with Damian Lillard um, on different things. But he has uh, talked about, like, people don't realize guys play Wednesday or Thursday. A lot of guys then fly immediately into the all-star city and it is straight through events, community events, uh, you know, shoe company things and parties and all this stuff. By the time we get to Sunday, they're wiped out, like more wiped out than they are during the season. And, and then you get this weird, like, Hey, warm up, then we're going to do a 30 minute introduction and all this stuff. And it's just, it leads to a product where, Nobody really feels like going hard and you know, pushing themselves through it. And and it just kind of is what it is. So I, I don't have a huge problem if this is what the game is, because I don't quite frankly really care about the game at all anymore yeah. myself. I have no issue, too, if they say, hey, let's try to fix it and maybe make it more competitive. That's fine, too. I'll always take another competitive basketball game if I can get one. But I, I don't know. I'm struggling to find a lot of energy to really care about this as much as some people do
1: yeah i mean like uh, i planned a vacation specifically during the all-star break because i knew what was coming like and apparently it was it was especially bad this time around but i i think look you 95 percent of the league gets to take a little breather right you have the all-stars that wind up going you have the guys who participate in the three point shoot, have the dunk contest all that that wind up going but most of the league winds up getting to spend a little bit of time away with family with friends whatever uh reg- you, you, it's not. They report back to their teams pretty quick, so it's not like it's a a week and a half off or something like that. But it's a few days. It's enough time mm-hmm. to get out of town a little bit, recharge, and I think that's fine. That's fine midway through the season. I mean, you see it in NFL; they get the bye week. So I, I think that this is even if we just have to accept that it's just a break, it's just a breather in the NBA schedule. That's okay. I don't think you have to go crazy trying to make the, like, let's not go down the MLB path of let's let's determine home court in the finals oh, or something God. by the all-star game result. I don't think you have to do that. Um, and I understand why the players don't go all out. Because I think reality, Keith, is that with any of these guys, any of these guys that are all-stars, even a badly sprained ankle could mean the end of their team season effectively. So yeah. I, I understand why these guys don't go all out in, in the all-star game. I'm okay with it. I think it may be time just to, well, I'm sorry. I'm all Disneyfied right now because that's where I spent my time, but it may just be time to let it go.
2: It's funny. I, I see there were two things that were said repeatedly is no one ever gets hurt in an all-star game. Well, does no one ever get hurt because they don't try very hard? Is that maybe why no what? one gets hurt in an all-star game? Like that could be a thing. And then the other comment was like these guys play harder in off-season pickup runs which is absolutely true. But if you roll sure. an ankle in an off season pickup run and you have to miss two weeks, you miss two weeks and then you get back at it in the middle of August or whatever it is. You you don't miss two weeks of games as your team's trying to get back ramped up and back into the you know, run of the season. So it's, it's kind of an apples and oranges comparison there, but yeah, I, I don't know. And like everybody's complaining about all-star Saturday night, like, the best part of it to me was the Steph and Sabrina shootout. Like I thought that was awesome. Uh, I'm super excited to see whatever it is they do with that next. I, I thought that was a lot of fun. I thought the three point contest was always was pretty fun. The dunk contest was a little blah, but the dunk contest feels like it's every three, four years. There's a really good one and we're all kind of fired up about it. But my one thing with the dunk contest is, let's go back to like props and stuff and yeah. crazy things. Cause like, that's just more fun to me than, you know, the jump over guy dunks that like, we're now we're like, all right, everybody does them. And it's cool. Like, you know, unless we start dunking over, you know, uh, victor on binyama on Shaq's shoulders like, I, I don't know how much you're gonna impress me. <laughs> right? Like that's I, that's, I
1: that's like 15 feet or something yeah
2: let's go right get up there <laughs> um but like yeah beyond that like I, I don't know so i i just it's you know i i kind of take it all for it is what it is and you know i, I enjoy the like even how ridiculous the skills challenges and and i think guys like whether they openly cheat or they cheat because they don't know what the heck the rules are and stuff that just makes the chaos of it all that much funnier to me. So, yeah, I, I I don't know. I just, I, I, like I said, I just have a hard time summoning the energy to get angry about all this stuff. Like a lot of other people seem to be very willing to get very mad about these things.
1: Did you like the floor with the, the video floor?
2: I liked parts of it. I liked it. In the portions where it was like, like on the three point contest where like, as they shot, like the little like circle lit up red or green, if they made it, NBA jam style. Yeah. I thought that part was kind of cool. I, 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 I I will be honest. I did not watch any of the celebrity game because I know less than half of those celebrities, (laughs) but the highlights (laughs) I saw, like, like I thought were cool. Like how they kind of like, like were able to like layer in like other lines and stuff. So like that part of it, I think was neat. Like, I it's fine in an all-star setting. I certainly don't want that in a regular game setting. Like, I I just don't want it. And and you did have a handful of players like that were like it was a little slipperier than you know a regular court was and those kind of things. So that's obviously for me like that's paramount. Like I don't want anybody getting hurt. So yeah, it was fine. I just, I don't want to see it in real games. It's too much for me too. I'm, I'm too old for all that flashing, night, flashing lights nonsense.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was not, I didn't dislike it. I thought it was cool. Um, there were some impressive things that it did, but I agree. I don't think I want that during games i I can't be the guy that was complaining loudly for all to hear about how bright the floors were during the season tournament and then turn around and say flashing stuff on a video (laughs) screen they're walking on is is totally fine yeah um it it was there were some things that were cool where i went whoa i didn't know that was possible to do to do some of the things they did which was pretty cool but um but in the general yeah i don't want to see that come around to uh i don't want that to just become the general nba floor um that, that we just universally see although we would certainly make i would think changing out floor colors and doing special themes and stuff much easier if you just had a, a video floor that you were doing but um yeah i don't think it's something that i want to see permanently unless you could say hey we're going to stick with a very neutral video floor it's not going to go crazy doing all this stuff okay then i could see you know you could put a shot clock on the floor down at certain times you know sure. things like that it might be kind of cool but yeah not
2: no no with it mind like we've seen this in some of the broadcasts right they do some of the overlay stuff where like i think it was tnt was first to start like they would put the shot clock i think they put it in like the middle of the paint Mm -hmm. um where it would kind of tick down and then espn i think is the one that does the shot distance stuff which is always funny when a guy like is shooting like a 10 footer and somehow it like marks it as like a 50 footer um which always just kind (laughs) of makes me laugh because it's like oh man like pulling up from deep um but yeah i i like all that stuff i'm generally pretty okay with i you know i i don't mind some of the the score bug stuff either and if I, whenever i say score bug too i get a whole bunch of people like what is the score bug that's like just a little score and time graphic that goes on the bottom mm-hmm. of the screen so so like I, that part i don't um i don't mind when that gets you know a little bit more information on there like like they do a little pop-ups with like guy scores and it says like Two points 10 points whatever it is and those kind of things those things i don't mind like that's all fine i just don't want a bunch of stuff that's super intrusive like coming on the screen you know regularly like then that just gets a little it just gets too busy for me
1: keith as always our timing is impeccable uh our our, our fellow Substack buddy mark stein just published <laughs> a, a piece to his Substack, uh with the title being it's time to let your all-star anger go. Yes. So he's also that. saying, let it, let it go. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, That's it, man. Yeah. Just, you know, kind of be over it. I think it's also, you know, I think a big part of it is there's nothing else to talk about NBA wise for a few days. Got like, to be angry like, about like, something. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to get off hot takes, like get them off now because everybody, they think it already spent all their real basketball hot takes in the days leading up to the, to the game. And then, now it's like, well, I don't have anything else to talk about, so I'll get angry about the All-Star game.
1: Um, speaking of a Substack, you guys can definitely check out our Substack, which I'll put in the description down below, the Basketball Bulletin, which you guys can see right there. Uh, I've got something I wrote uh, on my on my journey that's going to be coming out soon. Keith's got something that he's working on as well. So uh, make sure you guys check that out. Again, the Basketball Bulletin, we'd love to see you guys subscribe. And I'll put the link in the description down below.
2: And we right, promise you... we know we went a little content dry there, but that's just, we, we took we a bit of a break. I'm off. So okay, that's yeah, right. this is the only real time off we get between like October, really like the end of September around media day mm-hmm. and the, the end of free agency would slash summer league, which this year will be the end of July. And, that's not even gonna turn into time off because then we're gonna flow right into the Olympics this year and we'll mm-hmm. obviously be engaging with that. So we 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 tried to you know really get away for a little bit and do some do some family time and be uh, be be decent uh, fathers and husbands
1: for we for we, tried. we tried. We tried, we attempted. It was fun, it was fun. fun. I had yeah. a good time. Um yeah. speaking of look at this, look at these just brilliant segues that we have all the way built in here. <laughs> speaking of letting it go, Jacques Vaughn was let go. By the Nets uh, Keith reportedly some concerns about how attractive the Nets would be as a landing spot long term um, some issues with with that and it sounds like from what's been reported like Mikhail Bridges is essentially the only one who's safe right now in, in Brooklyn so big changes coming Kevin Ollie now in as the head coach for the remainder of the season. There was a point it was just a few years ago where Kevin Ollie was like the hottest name on the coaching yeah. market and and seemed to be on the, on the fast track towards getting a head coaching gig. What do you think the likelihood is that, that this just becomes Kevin Olley's job permanently? And then what are your thoughts on the decision to let Jacques Vaughn go at this point in the season?
2: Yeah, I'll start with the latter part, the Jacques Vaughn part. I'm not surprised. That team has looked completely like done for weeks now. And it, that culminated in getting drilled by the Celtics by 50 and for a while, it looked like they might have lost by 60 or more. Mm-hmm. And then Boston kind of led up quite a bit in the fourth quarter in the last game before the All-Star break. And Sean Marks said, like, yeah, hey, like, it was a factor, but it was one piece of data and a lot of data that they had. They Tim Bontemps of ESPN has been really good about calling this out. They had a game in December where they went in and played the box. And we all remember, they sat everybody. Mikhail Bridges only played just to keep his games played streak going. And other than that, they sat everybody on a back to back, punted. Since then, there's something like 6 and 18. And they were 500 going into that game and playing not great. I mean, they were 500. So, but at least decent, right? That they were pushing for a play in tournament spot, maybe even a playoff spot. And since then, everything has fallen apart. And in watching them, I got to see them play the Celtics twice in a row and then got to see them play uh, multiple other games. You know, as we kind of watch everybody, they just, they, they looked like they were done. Like, like, like they had quit. Um, And once that happens, you, you have to make a change and we're post trade deadline. So they, they, they did a couple trades, but you Mm -hmm. can't do another big trade or anything. You're obviously not like kind of up and wave a guy and eat a bunch of money or anything. So, it comes down to can't fire the player. So you fire the coach. As far as the Kevin Ollie part goes. Yeah. If he comes in over the last, I don't know how many games they have left, probably like 25 ish games. I'm guessing Mm -hmm. somewhere in that range. Um, If he comes in and they play, play hard and play well and win a few games, then yeah, I think there is a chance that Kevin Ollie keeps that job. They have 24 games left. So they play okay over those final 24 Mm -hmm. games. And, players are comfortable and maybe some of the young guys are showing some strides here over the final third of the season or so, then maybe Kevin Olley sticks around and gets that job. I, you're, you're absolutely right. He was a, he was a hot commodity. When he was at Yukon, there was a lot of people, but there were people going back to when he was still playing as an active player in the NBA, people were like, this guy's going to be a coach someday. He's going to be one of the right. next big coaches just because he gets the game so much and all that. So, so it's interesting. He's got kind of a player development uh, background this is not a super young team but they do have some interesting young guys so i'm curious to see where it goes from here for the nets over the remainder of the season and i just hope i just hope they're a lot more watchable than they have been up to this point
1: yeah i mean it's been it's been a rough season for them certainly now they've they've made a few moves of the trade deadline i i do wonder if because this does feel like they're they're really ready to truly reset this thing at this point like they kind of tried to to bounce back after losing Durant and Kyrie. And now that didn't work out. Now you're ready to kind of tear it down again. I I do what, like, do they need to start considering what they can get for bridges this summer? Just, we've talked about it. He's not as young as you think he is. He's not old, but he's not as young as you think he is. Do they need to consider? Could we get a haul for him? Could we get a boatload of assets? And maybe the deal should have been done to get all your picks back. Plus David Putney from the Rockets um and and do that at the trade deadline would that have been the better path i I do wonder if that's what we see the nets ultimately exploring this summer even though they're saying hey we're gonna we're gonna hang on to bridges
2: yeah i think i mean we've been through that part already i think that was a mistake i think they should have done that deal and you know gone that way I, i think their hope is new coach whether it's a ton of cap space in two years from now, or we're going to make a trade and do a little bit of pre-agency this summer, kind of using Ben Simmons' expiring contract as the the, the big piece there, Um, that I think their hope is we can, if if Mikael Bridges is a number two or a number three, we can attract the number one by saying, "Hey, come in. We already have Bridges and." Cam Johnson and I don't know, maybe Nick Claxton in place here. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll we'll go out and get the other guys and try to go get a guy that way. Maybe, maybe that works. Right. I don't know. Maybe that's a a thing, but I think for now, what it really becomes is, um, I I think the nets are, they're just kind of in limbo right now. Mm -hmm. And it's not a good place to be because they're in limbo without their own picks and all that. So I have to wonder, let's say the next, what did I just say? 24 games left or whatever it is, 28 games, whatever amount of games they've left. They are, let's say they, they struggle through those games. Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance Sean Marks has done after this season. I Ooh. know that's been kind of reported, probably not, but I think that might be more of a, Hey, right now, you know, kind of thing. So we'll, we'll see, but I mean, it's, Got to be getting close, at least where there's going to be some questions asked there as well. Of hey, are you going to be the guy because it's not going well there in Brooklyn?
1: Yeah, they have 28 games left. We'll see what happens with those games on their on their schedule. Of course, they have they've got Dennis Schroeder in. They they made that move. Um, this is this is not, and and maybe this is just unleash Cam Thomas, see what you've you've got there, and and move on, and we'll see. We'll see what ultimately they do. But the, these next 28 games are going to be important. I kind of look at the next 28 games as an audition for, for yeah. the Nets. Um, This is the guys have got to figure out. I've got to show whether or not they're going to be part of the future there. And then they've got some things to figure out, right? I mean, they've got to figure out uh um, what are they going to do? First and foremost, what are you going to do with Nick Claxton? You know, they've got they've got a decision to make there. Uh, this summer. And, and so this is very much a franchise in flux. And I, I mean, best of luck to Kevin Ollie. It's going to be, it's going to, it's, it's a difficult task now. Mm-hmm. Now that everybody knows what's coming, everybody knows what's going to happen. Ben Sims is a $40 million expiring contract that could very well be on the move this summer too. Um, it, it's not going to be easy to maintain focus for the final stretch of the season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. it's not. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that they're just, they're going to have to work through, hey, and try to figure it out as best they can, for sure.
1: Okay, let's jump over here. Uh, Danilo Gallinari joins the Bucs. More people right now are wondering what is happening with the Bucs, though. Keith, <laughs> it's been been a bit of a mess. Uh, I Okay, let's start with Gallinari. I don't want to discredit Danilo Gall- Gallinari. What do you sure. think about the addition there? Obviously, provide some size, some shooting, and then we can get into a very bucked-up situation.
2: <laughs> nice. Well done. Um, <laughs> it, it's a it's a not a strong front court behind the top three guys of Giannis Lopez and Portis. After that, it's it's a pretty good drop off from, from there. They just they, they don't really have another guy like the next best big, if you will, is Jay Crowder, who's not really a big, right? So that turns into, all right, where are we going here? So now getting Gallo in, that just gives him at least one other option. I think he, he, you just got to spot his minutes in the right places. At times, I I, I don't know. I don't know that he's going to give them more than 10 meaningful minutes in any game going forward. But if if you say, hey, for 10 minutes, go out there, hit a few shots and do your thing then maybe that's what it is. Or if it's a night mm-hmm. where it's, hey, Brooke Lopez doesn't really have it going, we think we can protect you enough with other guys defensively and we'll just play you as the drop coverage five and you hit some shots. Maybe that's how, how they play it out going forward. But my guess is by the time we get to the playoffs and the rotation shrinks down, now that's under most coaches. Doc tends to find his guys and then ride his you know, 10 guys as deep into you know, the season as he can and he'll play all reserve lineups and everything else. But yeah, I mean, I think Gallo can help them. I, I just, if you've watched him play this year, he doesn't have a whole lot left. Like he, yeah. he can't move at all on defense. He's not, he used to be one of the best players in the league at getting a mismatch, taking the smaller guy to like 10 feet and then turning and shooting over him. He Can't really do that anymore. Cause he can't get himself to that spot. He's basically a standstill shooter right now. And that's, that's, fine to some extent if that's what you need in milwaukee but you know maybe he was maybe he's got a little bit more left than what he showed with the wizards and pistons we'll see but i I don't know I, i don't i don't think this is gonna swing a playoff series by any means
1: certainly not certainly not this team this team is three and seven in the last 10 and look at this keith i mean we've got a we've got uh, a blowout loss to Miami in which in which Giannis played, right? I mean, Giannis it was the high on the team in points, rebounds, and assists. Giannis plays. You get blown out by Miami. You lose to Memphis, who are in full tank mode right now. Um, a Memphis team that that can't even keep Scottie Pippen Jr., who is in the G League for the bulk of the season. He can't even stay healthy. That's how bad the injury situation is in Memphis. You lose to that team. Then you lose to like the the some of the uh, hoping to be the top tier in the West, right? Phoenix, you lose to Minnesota. Okay, I mean, you probably shouldn't get blown out to Minnesota, but that's a good team. That happens. But then you also get drilled by Utah, and you lose to Portland. And uh, they lost to,
2: to the Grizzlies right before the break, too. Right, right. And yeah, I mentioned that. The, the Grizzlies, right? Like right. If we, yeah, like the, Yeah. That's... So you're
1: you're losing all these games that I don't know. And then Doc. Because you saw that interview, yeah, on uh, on NBA's uh, Sirius XM channel, and he said, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something to the effect of, you know, when he was first called about the job, he said, "Why are you guys doing this in terms of like firing Adrian Griffin and then and then hiring him? Like even Doc is like going, well, okay, if you guys want to give me millions of dollars over the next few years, all right, I guess, but." Why are you doing this exactly like that's not that's not a great look either when your new coach coming in that's supposed to fix everything is like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't don't know what's going on here, but uh, but suddenly I'm in I'm in charge now. And again, things have not looked good. I'm trying to remember what was the first game that Doc took over? It's been a handful of games now.
2: Uh, That's a good question. I don't remember off the top of my head i think they lost though yeah i don't I know remember. the record I is not go back good with Doc.
1: Yeah. it's not it's not good it, it with hasn't talk.
2: been very good they, they've lost a handful of games with like, right eight. yeah they're like four and whatever maybe that new orleans game maybe it was that cleveland game i don't know
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
3: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: somewhere
1: in that range. But it, the the point is this, like you look at their their cap sheet. This team is very committed this group right there were some talks about maybe moving bobby portis uh over the over the uh the trade deadline but you've got the big money for dame you've got the big money for Giannis, and rightfully so you've got chris middleton still in the books next year and then a player option the year after that you've got another year with with brooke lopez bobby port you know there's there's not a lot of flexibility built into this Mm -hmm. roster this is what it is so what happens here i mean they added patrick beverly I'm sure Pat thinks that he's going to change everything for this team, and maybe he does bring more of a defensive identity. But if they don't figure this out sooner rather than later, theres it's not like there's a bunch of built-in flexibility where you can say, okay, well, we can make a few tweaks and then off we go next year. And this is, let's not forget, the team that shockingly got bounced in the first round last year. There's got to be a lot of concern right now in Milwaukee.
2: Yeah, and I think what's a couple things with the box. I think one part one of it is it's been, I think, a little people have acted a little bit like they're terrible. And they're not. They're they are I just looked it up. They're 35 and 21. So sure. they're pretty good. Like I, I don't wanna I don't wanna go crazy with this. I think the problem is Thirty-five and twenty-one sees them eight and a half games behind the Celtics, right? Atop the the Eastern Conference, they're behind the Cavs, who are in second by two and a half games. They're 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 closer to the fifth-seeded uh, Sixers than they are to the Cavs in two. So, that's that's where I think the the worry is coming in. Of man, we got to figure this out. Like like this team is just really struggling. They're not getting it done. They should and be better. One of the, what's that?
1: They should be better than this. Yes, they should
2: be better, yeah. And then I think then, yeah, then you like you laid out here, there's no easy ways out of this. Now, of course, you could probably trade Dame again if you needed to, or uh, you could probably trade Chris Middleton if you wanted to. I mean, well, no, obviously, you could trade Giannis and get back the Mega Hall if that was ever the direction they needed to go and totally blew it up. But I think it's going to be if we're still having these conversations of it's going to take time, we're still figuring it out. And from docs side, Oh, it's really hard to take over a team. We're still having these conversations a month from now at the end of March. Mm-hmm. It's forget it. I'm writing them off as a playoff team. Maybe, maybe they went around. I don't even know at that point, but yeah, it, it's just hard to take them seriously when everything that comes out, of everybody's mouth is some form of an excuse. And, and I'll say with doc too, he just seems so unhappy. Then I gotta wonder like, why did you take the job? Like, like, it just doesn't seem like he really wants to do this. And it's kind of, then it's like, what, then why are you doing it? Like, right. like that gets, gets to be a little confusing. Like, like think you were fine, you know, doing TV a couple times a week and playing golf and all your other stuff that we know you love doing. Like, it just seems a little weird to me. And, and I, and I know somebody's going to be like he's doing it. Cause he got paid millions of dollars. Like, yeah, but he's not hard. He's not exactly hard up for money. Like, I think he's set for, Life for good. And, and I'm sure you saw JJ Reddick kind of went back at him like, dude, I'm mm-hmm. tired of all this. Like, and then uh Austin Rivers went at JJ, Pat Beverly went at JJ, a handful of other guys then came out and went I, like I, I
1: how many how much of that is real though? Like that's what I wonder when I see this stuff. Yeah. How much of that is guys just just getting into little fake arguments think, think for the sake of it
2: was real. Like sure, the 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 initial start, but guys firing back at him. It's it's hot take. Well, I mean, in Austin, it's his dad, right? And Pat Bev plays for him now. So, like, those make sense, but it's just it's just this is this is too much noise and too much stuff happening for a team this deep into the season. Like, there's just too many questions going on where it's like, what are you and what are you gonna be? Like that that I'm worried, but I still again I'll default back to it's not like they're terrible. So like, I don't no. want to make it out like they're an absolutely awful team either. Cause they are They're They're right in the thick of things. So I, I don't know. We'll see.
1: Okay. So I, I'm looking at their schedule here. This is, this is what they've got coming up. And I want to focus right now on the Sunday's game against the Sixers through the Friday game against Chicago. That's coming up this next week. That's their window. That's their chance to get things right and get things sorted because you get you get Minnesota coming out. Look, Minnesota's a good team. You might win that game still. Milwaukee can be good, but Minnesota's a really good team. You, you could play your, your best basketball against Minnesota and still lose. Okay, but Philadelphia has not been good without Joel Embiid. Charlotte's not good. Chicago, I think, is a very vulnerable team. After that, you run into a stretch of teams that are going to be playing their asses off, trying to get playoff positioning. The Clippers, the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers again, Sacramento. All those teams are pushing for playoff positioning right now. They're going to be throwing everything at you. So this window that I'm looking at next week, Philly, Charlotte, Charlotte, Chicago, that's where the Bucs and the Chicago second night of back-to-back, that's the Bucs window right there to get right. Uh, we talk about with the NFL all the time about, well, this week is a get right game. That yep. week is full of get right games for Milwaukee. That's their chance to figure things out. Cause it's going to be pretty tough sledding after that.
2: You got to come out of that stretch with three wins in four games. Yep. But, you know, it's fine. If you lose one of them, whatever that, that happens, but you got to win three of those four games. Like that, that, that's if you're any worse than that, then who knows? Cause yeah, you called it that, the, the Clippers game at home then that West coast swing. And then it doesn't get easier after that. But by the time you're taking on Philly, when you come back home, uh, Philly could have a be back by then. Who knows? Sure. Right. That's a, that's what three, four weeks from now. Um, Phoenix is tough. Then you got to go to Boston. And then, uh, they, then you end up with Brooklyn and Oklahoma city. Like, like those are, yeah, you know, Brooklyn, that should be a win, but Oklahoma City's a tough game. So, yeah, there's a lot of tough games in that period for sure.
1: Okay, well, let's move along here. Let's talk Klay Thompson, who is now uh, on the bench with the Golden State Warriors coming off the bench. This is not an easy thing to do no. uh, for a player of Klay's stature, and that's part of the reason why I've had so much respect for Vince Carter, who late in his career transitioned into being a role player and did it largely just for the love of the game, enjoyed being around the game, enjoyed teaching the next generation, and and didn't have a problem with giving up his superstar status. But a lot of guys do. A lot of guys struggle. We've seen the Carmelo Anthonys, the Dwight Howards of the world that ha- have gotten to the brink of being out of the league or been out of the league for a period and then came back in order to get them to adjust to being a role player. It's not an easy thing to do. So I'm curious to see how this will play out it's not great timing for Clay either, with him heading into free agency this summer, unless he does get a deal done with with the Warriors, which I still think is is possible. He could certainly get something done, but if they can make it work, and the Warriors have been good, they've won you know eight of their last ten. That, that's up there. That's the, you know, right they're the best in the NBA. Um, I, you'd have to give Clay a lot of credit if he's able to do this and make it work, and the team takes a step forward as a result.
2: Yeah, these late career transitions can be really hard for a guy who's have only ever known starting in games. Yeah. Now, I do think in this position for Clay Thompson, what this could actually do is this could extend his career by two or three more really sure. productive years. Cause if all of a sudden Clay Thompson can become a 20 minute a night bench scoring weapon, that's great. Right. All of a sudden, it's like, holy cow, like we got more years out of clay than what we thought. And that, that could be big. So I think we saw this work in the game right before the break where they did it. And he came off the bench with a score like 35 or something like that. I know he was really good in that game and he went nuts. And, and that could be what we see now going forward. And there's nothing to say, you know, he talked about Mono Ginobili, right? Like he's like, mm-hmm. I thought about Mono. How how he did it for years. And it's funny because now some stories have come out about when Clay was coming into the league. A couple people said he's kind of like a bigger right-handed Manu Ginobili, like just with the way he moves, the way he understands, you know, space and movement and all those things. And that's kind of funny now. Here, you know, what a decade and a half later into his career, we're hearing those things. And I think with Clay, is Manu came off the bench, but you know what he also did close games. Like nothing says you can't close games. If you're coming off the bench, sometimes it's, it's a way to get you uh, rested and ready to be able to do that and have the legs to close games. So I'm really curious to see what they do. I'm going to be even more curious when Chris Paul gets back here, that should be coming up, Mm -hmm. assuming sometime in the next couple of weeks, you know, is now all of a sudden, like, imagine like a bench of, Chris Paul and Clay Thompson as you bench backcourt, like that sounds kind of pr- pretty great. If I'm Steve Kerr, like I feel pretty sure. good about that. So yeah, I'm very curious to see where all this goes.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can if he can make this transition and if the Warriors can continue their their playoff push. Uh, hopefully not tomorrow, but after that they can continue their their playoff push. <laughs> They're playing my Lakers. Um, <laughs> I thought there was a, a good bit of business done here as well with another veteran player, Mike Conley gets an extension with the Wolves at is i believe it's two years 21 million was the total on it that's yeah is there something to that that's not quite
2: well we don't know yet it was there was some reporting the reporting around this has been weird and some of it quite frankly has been really off and i don't want to discredit any of the reporters because i'm just assuming they were told certain things but the reporting came out it was two years 21 million from one source another said two years 22 million not Whatever. Right. That doesn't Who cares? Sure. Like That's fine. But then there was reporting that came out when they, these are good, credible reporters that came out and said he has a no trade clause and there's absolutely no chance that it's not, it's not, not even allowed. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to be in the league for eight years. He's got that part covered. You have to be with the same team for four years. So he doesn't have that. He's only been with the team for a year. And the other part of it is you have to, be, it either needs to exist in your current contract if you're signing an extension, or you need to be signing a new deal. Famously, Bradley Beal got and got had the or still has the league's only negotiated no trade clause because he signed a brand new deal with the Wizards uh two years ago. Stephen Curry doesn't even have a no-trade clause because every contract he's done since his rookie deal has been an extension with the Warriors. Mm-hmm. So the only way you get it is you meet the eight and four requirement and you're signing a brand new contract or your previous contract had it. So, so that part was a little weird. So there's just some weirdness going on, but if two twenty one, two twenty two, whatever, 10 and a half, 11 million, great value for the Wolves. And what this sure. does is this at least, yes. And I was one of the people who tweeted it out like, Holy crap. They've they're basically at the second apron for like nine, 10 players right now. And clearly you still get to add several more to that uh spending to fill out your roster well what this does is this now now they don't have to worry about going to find a point guard they have a pretty good starter still even if he's now more of a 28 29 minute a night starter sure uh at this point in his career he may miss some games you have them for 10 million dollars That's less than the mid-level exception like that's exactly. great. like that's amazing you'll know, value for that and then go plus that up with a pretty good backup or if you were like hey with our salary structure the most we can spend is 20 million on the point guard position. Well now maybe you look at Monte Morris and say, "Hey, we just gave gave Conley 10-11 million dollars a year. Can we give you 8 $9 million? And now all of a sudden you're you're in a pretty good place. That's not to say it may not cost him another guy down the line if it seems too expensive, but for now you're you're in a pretty good spot if you're Minnesota and you at least have some certainty going into the summer.
1: Yeah, exactly. You you've got certainty now. You've got, you know, Mike Conley is is he a star right now? No, but he's a really good game manager. He does his his job well. He doesn't turn the ball over. He gets you over 6 assists per game. He's shooting 44% from deep. Like that's that's great. And he's also one of those guys where yeah, he's 36 years old, but come playoff time, like, I, he's not the defender that he used to be, certainly, but come playoff time, I think he's the guy that could – step. you could see him really step it up defensively for a game or two when he knows, hey, yeah. I've really got to gotta burn some of the gas in the tank here as opposed to, to during the regular season. So I think this is a really good deal for the Wolves. Yes, it does lock you into this team, but this also looks like right now a team that's worth locking into. They've been yeah. playing great basketball. So um, I, I don't have a problem with it. I know, Keith, you and I talked briefly about, well, could they – Potentially, if this if the wheels fall off somehow, maybe they could move on from Carl Anthony Towns sometime into, into the future. And that's still uh, the possibility if they decide, hey, this team doesn't have it after all. And even if you do that, though, Conley at this number is a good value. Like you said, what are you going to go out there on the market and replace him with? Uh, even with the full ML- MLE, it's going to cost you more than this to do it. So yep. I don't I don't have a problem with this, even with the that apron now looming for the Wolves.
2: Yeah. And I think their big thing is that that point of they can still do whatever the get out of this situation move is like that can still be done. Sure. So there's no reason they can't still move uh Anthony towns if they need to, or something like that, if that's where they need to go. So yeah, I think they're in a, in a pretty good place and, And the good news is they basically have a year-long window because you don't need to be out of the luxury tax at the start of next season or under the apron or anything like that. You do if you want to make certain moves, but they're going to come in basically saying, barring complete disaster in these playoffs, which would be like we got swept in the first round or something like that. Mm -hmm. As long as they play a pretty decent playoff run, they're going to be in a spot where they're going to come back and they're, they're going to be able to kind of get into it and say, all right, hey, we we can um you know, we could kind of we, we could kind of run our, our stuff here and then figure it all out, you know, next summer and even into next season if we need to. So it's it's there's decisions that are going to need to be made, but they don't they, none of those decisions need to be made today. And now you took one decision that absolutely did have more uh pressing timeline on it of finding a point guard and and you you solve that at least uh for the next, you know, couple of years
1: absolutely and that's that's exactly what it is you've solved uh, what could have been a, a problem you know I'm looking and I'm trying to see is there any starting point guard that's averaging less turnovers than Mike Conley right now right now the only one I'm seeing is is Tyus Jones but this is just a cursory glance at the list and, Tyus and I Jones never turns it over he never turns it over but I mean so that's that's what you're getting you know it's almost Keith it's it's like you're getting Jose Calderon plus In Mike Conley now, Jose Calderon was a great game manager, never turned the ball over, shot solid percentages, wasn't going to blow a team away and carry a team to a win or something like that. But on the offensive end, I think Mike Conley can do more defensively. But on the offensive end, Calderon was that type of player and that allowed him to have a career that went into his later years. And I think that's what we're seeing here with Mike Conley as well.
2: Yeah, and all you need to do is watch the Wolves and what you'll see uh, with them is whenever he's off the floor or if you catch him in a game where he just he's not playing in that game they're real messy they 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 mm-hmm. just they need him out there to settle them down now we'll see what it looks like with Monte Morris in there he may sure. be able to kind of come in and be all right hey I can I can do all the same settle everybody down make sure Carlita Towns isn't running the floor 10 straight times without getting a touch and i, I we need to make sure Jade McDaniel's isn't going Ten minutes without a quality look and those kind of things. That's what that's what Conley brings brings to the floor. There's times, and that's not people take that as like a criticism of anthony edwards or a criticism of towns and it really isn't those guys should both be taking 20 shots a game sure. every game but you need to make sure where you go bears getting the occasional touch and mcdaniels is getting a touch and when the reserves are in there you want to make sure they're getting a shot off so i, I think that they, they those guys conley and, and morris they're just they're both really good game managers in that sense where it's let's just keep everybody involved and just keep keep things moving
1: Absolutely. All right. Um, Keith, I, you know, I, I just looked at our time. We're already at the 40 minute mark in <laughs> yeah. this, and we've only we've only gotten through a handful of our of our topics. I I just I miss talking basketball with time. you so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I feel like I've got so much to say. Um, so let's we're gonna let's do one more topic and we're gonna kick the rest okay. of it to tomorrow's show. Um, let's go with with this Scoot Henderson now expected to start for the Blazers for the remainder of the season. I uh I, look, of course, right? I mean, they absolutely should. You've got nothing to lose. Might as well get him that that experience and and see what you've got in the remaining, you know, 30 minus, give or take a few games that the, the Blazers have left in their season. You, you might as well unleash him a little bit. And if he makes a bunch of st- uh, mistakes and things like that, there's stumbles along the way. Great, that's fine. Get those out now. Let him learn now um, so that when you're really competing for something, Hopefully a lot of these things are already worked through. So I think that's great. Go ahead. Start him. I know he hasn't had the best rookie season, but you need to really try to accelerate that growth as best you can. That's the wins and losses aren't the goal right now. It's about what are you developing for the future? And that's what you need to do right now. Focus on that. And starting scoot, I think is the, the absolute correct move.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. And I know some people will say, why didn't this happen earlier? And Chauncey mm-hmm. Billups, who, who, funny enough has a lot of experience with this he in his rookie year the Celtics didn't just give him a starting spot and then they end up trading him and in a deal before the end of his rookie season which it it's funny some Celtics fans are like what a disaster trade that was and then others are like I got us Kenny Anderson who really helped push the team forward for the rest of the year but that's all ancient history stuff but Phillips's coach now was like he had to earn it like they did mm-hmm. not want to just gift him entitlement minutes right out of the gate. He, he had a few starts earlier in the year and quite frankly, they weren't very good. He, he really struggled. He, he looked a little overmatched. He looked a little out of sorts. He has played really good basketball over the last couple months. He, he still falls in love with the occasional wild pull up, Jump shot and transition and those Kind of things I think his attacks get A little ambitious at times or it's like I'm going into a guy and there's times When it's like all right man let's like breathe a little here but he's made done well with his playmaking he's finishing better he's shooting better all those things are coming around it takes point guards a while it's point guards and centers are the two two positions that take a little while to really develop Mm -hmm. in the league and i think in scoot henderson's case he really is now he's a guy who is bringing him in you're going to see him in a spot where it is this is going to be the launching point into next year for him right it's Let's see what you can do over these final 25 or so games, and see what it looks like. And then when we get into next year, all right, are we ready to hand it over to him full time? And everybody else kind of starts to orbit around him a little bit. That should be where we're starting to transition to. And then whatever whoever they pick in this year's draft, they're gonna have another good high draft pick, and then uh, off we go from there. So I, I I'm excited about this, and excited to watch Portland the rest of the way because I want to see him getting those mm. minutes and I don't want to see him getting those minutes against the other frontline point guards in the
1: league. Yeah. You're just, you're looking for growth. That's all you're yep. looking for right now. Growth. Understand that there's going to be plenty of bumps in the road and see what he's got. And uh, and so it's exciting to see exactly how that's all going to play out for Portland. Yep. All right. Uh, Keith, our first show back, uh, back in, it felt like we were off for like a month. We weren't even off for a full week, but but <laughs> yeah. nonetheless, I am, I'm rested. I'm ready. We have games back tomorrow. All kinds of fun stuff to talk about. Once again, everybody, thank you for joining us. Make sure that you do subscribe right here to the NBA front office show on YouTube. Follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts as well. And of course, check out the basketball bulletin, which is our substack. Going to be updated soon with some new stuff coming up there. Um, I think that's it. We we made it. We made it, we made it through our, it. our return show. I didn't feel too rusty.
2: Nah, well, we shook it off quick. We're we're yeah. we we're, we're, we're the veterans now. Well, we get right
1: Oh, back. of right. course. So I go with the the let it go the Disney reference, and you have to drop the T Swift there. Yeah, there uh, it is.
2: Yeah, love it. <laughs> you shook Perfect. it off. Yeah we know we didn't cover there's been 900 million other transactions we'll get into those tomorrow um we'll we'll get into all that there's a couple other stories we didn't get into so we'll 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 cover all that stuff off like we usually do but wanted the big stuff uh today and get into some of the bigger stories and then right back at it and guess what tomorrow and then we're right back to front office fridays on friday so excited to get back into that as well
1: let's go all right everybody thank you again for joining until next time see ya, and stay safe